Welcome to another episode of On the Issues with Alan Ben-Mir. Today's guest is Moshe Maoz, Professor Emeritus of Islamic and Middle Eastern Studies at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and a previous director of the university's Harry S. Truman Research Institute for the Advancement of Peace. Professor Maoz is renowned for his expertise in Arab and Middle East affairs and has published extensively on Islam and on the history and politics of the Middle East. He is a leading expert on Syria. Professor Maoz has been a visiting professor, scholar, and fellow at many leading universities and institutions around the world. He has served as an advisor on Arab affairs for Israel's Knesset and was a member of official advisory committees that counseled the late Prime Minister Shimon Peres and Yitzhak Rabin. In today's episode, Alan and Moshe discuss the new Israeli government and the prospects for any advancement of Israeli-Palestinian peace negotiations under this coalition, as well as what the role the Biden administration can play, if any, in such a process. In addition, they discuss the concept of a confederation as a potential solution to the conflict, including the issue of settlements, Jerusalem, national security, and the role of Jordan in such a solution. Uh, unfortunately, you know, based on the news reports that I was reading yesterday, Ben is going to do everything he can to prevent, any, to, to avoid any discussion about the Palestinian problem. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What else is new? Well, but, but, you uh, know, po- politically, is right of uh, Netanyahu even. Oh, yeah, even further right. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Uh, but knowing, you know, Biden is a sort of, um, uh, I don't think Biden is going just to let go. Uh, he's going to raise the question. He wants to hear what he has to say. But he also knows that that uh, Bennett does not represent any significant majority of the Israeli public. But, you know, most of the Israeli public are against the Palestinian state. I, I understand, but nevertheless, uh, Bennett himself cannot really speak uh, in, in that sense. Um, well, we'll, we'll, see. we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, do you really feel that the Israelis, the majority of Israelis, don't want to see a Palestinian state? I mean, it's fluctuating. I mean, there has been a slim majority who are in favor, but they don't believe it's feasible. You see? Because they yeah. say they've been under a propaganda campaign. The, the Palestinians are not partners to Israel, which is not true. But this is a brainwashing for, for many, many years. Uh, and look at the, the parties, many parties. Uh, most parties, in fact, are not for a two-state solution. Only merits and labor... I understand even, but Lapid seemed to be leaning toward that now. He was against, now he's leaning towards, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, basically, I mean, you have a government today, I mean, probably the, only, the first time ever, yeah, it is the first time you have people sitting from the extreme left to the extreme right, plus an Arab party. And I was saying, if such kind of government does not open some kind of dialogue with the Palestinian, which government can? Uh, the, the left by itself will not be able to muster the majority they need, mm-hmm. and the right will not give in uh, to the Palestinian demands. But this, uh, we, but, but the government, you know, all parties in the government have decided not to touch this hot potato. Yeah. Yeah. Not to deal with the Palestinian issue, only with secure, uh, other issues like uh, the corona, like econ- economic, social issues, and, and what have you. Not, not to touch. And uh, they are very cautious not to do it. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm frustrated, but... Uh, I, I, think, I think that was the, the stupidest mistake that they have agreed upon. And, and you know, it is like, like to try to prevent the sun from rising. That's how how far I can go. This is a this is not going to disappear. It's not going to disappear. Not now. Not five. Not near. Not in ten years. Not in twenty years. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure that this is benefiting Israel. This is the longer the conflict continues. I'm not sure that this Israel will be ultimately the 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 winner um, uh, because there is international consensus. 
and there is and, and Israel is going to completely against the international consensus. And there's be, going to be a time where um, people are getting sick and tired of it. And Biden is already sick and tired of it. Certainly, all the European community. I fully, I fully agree with you. But even <laughs> Labour and Neretz, who are for they said, "No, this is not the time. We have to wait and to manage the conflict." You heard this for now for decades to manage the conflict, and it's I mean, it's been fifty-four years. Of after occupation, which also uh, <laughs> caused a great deal of damage to Israeli society and Israeli security, because Israeli security is to have a Palestinian state next to it, a prosperous and a, a good neighbor next to it. Otherwise, what is the alternative? Either continued occupation or apartheid system. And this, this is a worse scenario for Israel. But the, many Israelis don't understand this. They, 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 are, they are short-sighted in this respect. Well, uh, I mean, obviously... Only, only, only Biden can change. But here again, he's occupied now with Afghanistan and Iran. I'm not sure whether we will have time. And he would also agree with Bennett. I, Hope, I hope not. That uh, let's let's wait. Let's manage the Palestinians. Give them some, you know, ec- economic benefits and uh, what we they call here economic peace uh, and and uh, you know dispel their political ambitions. No, it's all going no, to work. You know what, what I don't. What, one thing that is, is a somewhat is a puzzle for me. Uh, the Palestinians obviously want their Palestinian state, but they—I mean, obviously—the leadership is corrupt to the bone. So there is also a split between Hamas and so there is no unity of purpose of any kind. And so they are failing miserably to put Israel on the spot. Just let, let, let's play the scenario: if Abbas or you know, Abbas is obviously incapable, but let us some, even if there is a decent decent leader. He should put Israel on the spot and merely say, we are ready, willing, and able to sit down and begin negotiation unconditionally uh, for, for the purpose of establishing a, a two-state solution. Abbas has I'm been... not putting this. No, Abbas has said it time and again, time and again, time and again. And here they say, they say no, is it, some say he's a terrorist, some say he's not a good partner, others say he's corrupt, which is true, but who is not corrupted this region? Well, <laughs> I think Israel is just as corrupt, if not more so. But what, uh, Netanyahu wasn't corrupt? And uh, some ministers corrupt. were not corrupt? Yeah. I, I hope he'll end up in jail. We'll have to see. <laughs> now, in, now in Hawaii, you put him in jail there, it will be happy. <laughs> he's, he's vacationing in Hawaii now. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to you know, discuss with you you saw that uh, what I wrote. I'm still actually refining this document about the for the prospect of Israeli-Palestinian confederation. Uh, why confederation, in my view anyway, may well become the only practical solution, given the, the significant realities on the ground that is going to be very, very difficult to change. I just want to mention a couple so to, to refresh you, your memory, just in case. For example... The fact that there are so many Palestinians, uh, Jerusalem, it's a mixed city. The West Bank has Israelis and the Palestinians. And that is the separation, physical separation between Israelis and Palestinians in the West Bank and the Jerusalem. Obviously, in Israel proper, there are nearly 2 million Palestinians. And even Gaza, there's a huge dependence under condition of peace or even currently on, on Israel. That is, a physical separation is no longer possible. Yes. Uh, so that do you agree with this premise? Sure. So that's number one. The Jerusalem is a contentious issue. Again, you know, the Palestinian demand for having their uh, a capital in Jerusalem. I don't think this is something they will give up on. Not only because they want to, because also the Arab states support that position. True. That's it. Not, not Jerusalem. Is Jerusalem? Yeah. Jerusalem. East yeah. Jerusalem. And here, too, you cannot divide the city. Neither the Israelis or Palestinians want to divide the city, which means they must find a formula to coexist, as not they do. Divide. 
Alone, yes. not divide. Share. Share, share. I'm saying, share. No, I'm saying, I'm saying there's no way you can divide it. That's what I'm no, saying. Exactly. It should be divided. Impossible to divide. Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. Then you have a question of national security. It's interlinked. And Israel must have been, will continue to have to work on security with the Palestinians. Again, this is an issue that has to be uh, dealt with only together. So, so you have that. And then you have settlement. There is no way on, on, the, on earth that the Israel will evacuate the settlement, especially the three, the three uh, blocks of settlement along the 1967 border, which cool. has nearly, nearly 80% of the settlers. So this, these conditions exist today, and they will continue to exist no matter what either side wants to happen. That's what leads me to believe that the only way you can actually reach a two-state solution has to be in the context of a confederation, whereby they maintain their independence completely, but they also collaborate on a, on a number of fronts. It's on security, they need to collaborate, or economic development, they collaborate. In dealing with Jerusalem, East and West, they will need to collaborate. That is where bring me to this conclusion, and I don't know. I don't know how, or, or I don't see a possible scenario where you can actually establish a Palestinian state that is going to be going to be totally, completely separated, uh, physically and otherwise, but through hard borders. Or not. That simply, in my view, will not happen. What's your take on that? No, no I agree with you. I agree with uh, this uh, idea. I think it's a very important idea of. Confederation, but I would add to it also Jordan, because yeah. Jordan is, is an important part of such a scheme. Uh, the whole area is small, in, interdependent, economically, energetically, whatever you. So we have to be also in, in Jordan. You have a sixty percent Palestinian, so they have to. Yeah. I think a Palestinian state will please them. Jordan also is a safeguard. For many, many years, so Israeli security. Jordan was a buffer zone vis-a-vis Iraq in that times. And it's they are very, very upset when we say, oh, Jordan, eastern border with Jordan is uh, dangerous. We have to protect it. Not rubbish. Jordan protects it. And Jordan invests uh, so much energy and soldiers to protect it. So I think it's going to increase Israeli sense of security if Jordan joins uh, into this confederation and also with regard to economic relations between Jordan and, and, and Palestine. And economics are very, very important here. You can have a sort of a Benelux, you know, uh, <laughs> like in Europe, uh, three states with economic ties. It could be great. And also Jerusalem. Jordan has also some stake in Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, and according to the Jordan-Israeli the Treaty of 94, uh, Jordan would be uh, given a special status in Jerusalem. So I think it's all of this leads to my conclusion that Jordan should be part of it. And as you know, Jordanians from time to time entertain this idea of a federation or something between Jordan and, and a Palestinian state. So I think uh, it can be accepted by many, many Jordanians, Palestinians, and Israelis. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree with you. And in, in the proposal, I mentioned Jordan. I did not elaborate. And now that I'm reviewing that again, I certainly am going to further elaborate on that because I agree 100% with you that Jordan is a player, has been, and will continue to be. Again, for the many reasons you mentioned and some, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it has to be an integral part of any future confederation between sure. Israelis and the Palestinians. Yeah. T- tell me, the, you know, you live there and, and uh, uh, you, you have a much better pulse, uh, specifically you, you know, being who you are, a special person <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> you made my day. In the eyes of many, <laughs> for that matter. My, my week, my month. <laughs> I mean that, you know, I mean that. Um, but, you know, you have that it's a very sensitive pulse of what's going on. And um, the, the, the two things that I see happening is that both sides are engaged 
in a poisonous narrative. And that is the Israelis uh, building, you know, the case on security, 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 which I think, although some element of security is legitimate, but it is exaggerated to a point where they are actually portraying the Palestinian as a perpetual existential enemy, which is not the case in my view. Uh, Notwithstanding what Hamas is saying, Islamic Jihad are saying, but they are also, when you talk to them privately, they're very, they understand Israel is there to live, to exist, and there's nothing really they can do about in terms of threatening it, it, it existentially. So that's the Israeli narrative, and they manage, and you are absolutely right, they manage to convince nearly 50%, if not more, of the Israeli public that the, the Palestinian is existential threat now and, will, and for, for the foreseeable future. And hence, all we have to do is manage the conflict rather than any other. But that is relying on military um, uh, occupation uh, to subdue the Palestinian, or basically indefinitely, notwithstanding the fact that actually the military may not be very happy about that because I think they also, uh, you know, uh, read the writing on the wall. That is, what's going to happen eventually to the Palestinians? Where are they going to go? They're there. Nobody's going to expel two and a half million from the West Bank or from Jerusalem or from Israel proper. They are facts that are there. So that's that's the narrative. That is Israel. And and Netanyahu did an amazing job in a negative way trying to portray the Palestinians. And then you have Hamas and, uh, and the Palestinians. Uh, that the lack of unity there and the vociferous condemnation of Israel, the criticism of Israel on a day-to-day basis. Also, they and also holding to the issue of the refugees, the right of right of return, right of return, right of return. They also poison the Palestinian public, uh, thinking there is a solution that is that is going to eventually get all the Palestinian back and eliminate some. There is significant, if not a majority, I, I'm not sure. This is what, first of all, I want to ask you, and I'm now, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rumbling a lot about this. What I wanted to ask you, A, whether you agree with this premise, and B, what is going to take to change that narrative? A great question. First of all, about security. Israelis are not aware of the fact that the Palestinians, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the PA, not Hamas, is already to demilitarize their territory, Palestine or whatever, and have a supervision of the the United States, not of a military supervision, not Israel, of course, of the United States or NATO. Israel is not aware of it or don't believe in it, uh, number one. Number two, most Israelis, including some of my colleagues, don't understand that the Palestinians have changed their attitude towards the refugee issue. Initially, the PLO spoke about the right of return, meaning four and a half million Palestinians will return to Israel. Israel never accept it, and the Palestinians know it. Now, for years, they adhere to UN Resolution 194 of 1948, which speaks about individual return, not collective return, of uh, Palestinians who want to live in peace, or get compensation provided Israel agrees. And then in the Arab Peace Initiative of 2002, this was repeated by all Arab states, the 194, and that Israel should uh, agree to this or or provide compensation. So you have here an option. But Israelis are not, as I said, Israelis have been brainwashed for many, many years, like by the Likud and others, that they, these are our enemies, not only <laughs> they. I mean, after the events of May this year, Israeli Arabs are also enemies, are traitors and what have you, terrorists. So it, it's not, it's not, this atmosphere is not very good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, uh, again, like given this atmosphere, given that atmosphere, which is not likely to improve. No. Obviously, we're going to need um, uh, a new leadership. I mean, Abbas is not going to make any move 
that is, or demonstrate any kind of weakness or make any compromises at this point, I don't think he'll survive that. Uh, so you, you're going to need a new leadership in Palestine, in, in, in the Palestinians. I mean, I, I, I wish, <laughs> my wish is that Marwan Barouti will be elected as president yeah. because yeah. he's pragmatic, he's popular, even with Hamas. He can, yeah. he can be a good, a good leader. And he's, he's a peacenik. I know him. <laughs> we worked together uh, uh, for, for peace rallies. So, uh, and we can uh, also, according to Hamas, I, I, I can express here minority opinion, uh, shared also by, by uh, some others, very few, uh, that we also have to talk to Hamas. You don't talk to your friends, you talk to your enemies too. You Americans talk to the Taliban. It didn't work, of course. We have to talk to Hamas. And Hamas also has changed. They now accept a Palestinian state along the six, seven, seven lines without recognizing Israel. They speak time and again about Hudna, a ceasefire for 30 years between. So let's start with it. Let's, no, we cannot, there is no military solution here. You know, we attacked Gaza uh, the last decade uh, four times in 2008, 9, 2012, 2014, and recently. What, what are the results? Only, only many killed, especially on, among the Palestinians, including children and women. Did we, Israel, with anything? Nothing. Yeah. So we have to talk to them too, to talk to both. And, and uh, I, I, I believe that uh, the crux of the matter also with Arab countries and other uh, is the, the Jerusalem issue. Because the, the, everybody is very sensitive to the Jerusalem issue. The events, as you know, of May, la, uh, last May, were because of Al-Aqsa. Uh, Israeli police uh, uh, <laughs> entered forcibly into Al-Aqsa and uh, wounded 200 Palestinians. I mean, it's un- un- unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. So uh, we, we uh, I see, I mean, everybody is responsible for what's happened, but Israel is more. Israel is, has been in control for the last 44 years, and Israel is the strongest nation in this region. Israel can take risks. Yeah. And now well, so, so, so tell me, well, you know, here we are, you know, there were four elections. Finally, the, the former government, we, we, we know was this government, and this government that conceivably could have at least begun some kind of a negotiating process, they decided not to touch it. No. So where do we go from here? Uh, Biden. Only Biden can do the change. I mean, the Israeli government is... <laughs> Neutral, neutralized by their agreement. They agreed not to deal with the Palestinian issue, except, as I said, for some economic help and blah, blah. But, uh, but only, the, only Biden, Biden started well. I mean, he provided some help with the Palestinians. He, for two-state solution, he is about to open again, to reopen the Palestinian consulate uh, the American consulate in East Jerusalem, which is in fact is the embassy for the Palestinians, you Americans send some uh, Pfizer uh, thing to, to, to uh, many, many doses uh, to the Palestinians. So Biden has to do more. Biden and Blinken. Israelis are not going to do it. Only outside pressure. Europe for sure, but Europe doesn't have influence in Israel, the EU. America doesn't have and America has to do it, and it's in the interest of Israel. But then, Moshe, look at the past, you know, uh, administration after administration. With the exception um, of, of Bush, the senior Bush, who put some pressure on the Shamir at the time, I don't see any of these presidents going back six six administration who actually decided to make, to put some significant pressure on Israel to change the directions. Um, and Biden, based on my understanding, he doesn't really want to get into the the negotiation, peace negotiation, because he, he feels 
that it is that's not going to happen anytime soon. So he's fake. Apparently, he's Omar. You know, Omri, the one in charge in the State Department uh, on the, of the Israeli-Palestinian uh, file. They're basically trying to focus on um, taking certain measures. You know confidence-building measures uh, between the two sides. And you, like you just said, uh, focus on the economic development. It's trying to sort of ameliorate, trying to um, um, modify or, you know, the, 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 the relationship be, be through, through other means. But they are not prepared. Biden, I don't believe that Biden is, is going to be able or want to put that kind of pressure on Israel today or tomorrow or next year that is going to make a big difference. Most all, all administrations avoided putting any kind of significant pressure on Israel. Why would Biden do that? I tell you another element which might help the American Jewish community, which is mostly democratic, which partly, largely, uh, is very frustrated with Israeli policy vis-a-vis the Palestinians, and some of them see that Israel is going to become an apartheid state. Israel mistreats the Palestinians. You know, youngsters are not coming any longer, American Jewish young to, to Israel. There's been a major change. They can also um, exercise some influence on, on Biden. And the Israelis will have to understand that they cannot just behave like they want uh, for, for so many, for many years. Uh, if they cannot decide by themselves, only outside uh, influence and pressure uh, by American Jews and by uh, by Biden. Otherwise, I cannot see any uh, any other outcome. As I say, you Europe has done it for so many years, but uh, in no avail. So only yeah. the, only, the, only the US. What else can can we do? I mean, uh, I mean, let, take take it. It's, it's very, very thorough because, as I said again and again, 54 years of occupation. And, you know, generations of Israelis have been born into this occupation. They regard the West Bank, called Judea and Samaria, as part of Israel. They don't know anything about the Green Line. Even in textbooks, the Green Line between Israel has been erased. So, you know, it's a... It's a we are going towards apartheid. Or if we give the Palestinians in the West Bank a full citizenship, it will become an Arab state. Because they are going to be a majority. Already there are 50-50% on, on both Palestinians and Israelis. And, as, and I know my Israeli friends, they are not going to give full citizenship to the Palestinians. So, alternative is an apartheid. And apartheid Hopefully the world will be very frustrated and do something as they did in South Africa. Although, of course, we can cry, yeah, oh, Holocaust, anti-Semitism, and this. But the world, I think, Europe, and I speak to many friends, they are fed up with this. No, everything which is anti-Israeli is anti-Semitism. No. Yeah, yeah. Now, now going back, so... That I want to go back to the framework of, of confederation. That is, would you, for example, you're talking about Biden, and if the, this administration, if you, if you, and I agree with you, the United States ought to play much more effective, direct, more forceful role, especially in dealing with, with the Israelis. Now, the question is, should they come up, for example, should this administration come up with an idea like a confederation and say, Let's work towards something that it is practical, that actually uh, is consistent, consistent with the, what's going on on the ground. Uh, I think it's a great idea. If you can sell it to the Biden administration, it will be, I think, even better than only two-state solution. Because, you know, we, we talked just now about the merits of it. So it's more, more practical, I would say. Yes, yes, yes. And, and Jordan is an ally of the United States. And we have to seek also the Jordan agreement to this. Maybe you can do it, you know. And, and from all sides, uh, you know, suggest this, this idea. And Biden should be the leader of it. 
I know that he has all the problem. You have Afghanistan, you have health problems, you have whatever. But uh, this is, again, the interest also of the United States in this region. There's no doubt. I mean, I mean uh, the United States, uh, the EU, um, they have a strategic interest in the Middle East, and it is is being impeded, uh, undermined by the continuing conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. There's no sure. question about it. Let me let me put it this way now. Israel is using, as we've said before, national security as the crutch. And, you know, that the Palestinian cannot be trusted. The Palestinian, you know, we cannot do so. So we need to disabuse the Israelis from this notion that, that the security, the argument about security has a little bit merit, but certainly does not justify the policy that is being enacted upon because of the of their exaggerated sense of national security concern. Going back now to the Biden administration, that is, what can the Biden administration do, from your perspective, in order to disabuse the Israelis of the notion that their security is on the line if they actually move toward reconciliation, move toward a two-state solution? That is, can the administration here, the Biden administration, offer Israel something substantive? That is, Israel, and I have been saying all along, we guarantee Israel national security. Can, let's can we translate that into actual steps, how that's going to happen, without yeah, or, the eruption of war. Yeah, it's very, 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 very difficult because it might also... Uh, cause the collapse of the Israeli government because of the, you know, the internal strife between the various parties there. America, United States, and Biden has to do it very, very, very carefully and hint to Israel. If, if I don't want to be like like Bernie Sanders that uh, say that uh, to to put a condition that Israel should have a Palestinian state next to it. Uh, if otherwise America will stop uh, supporting Israel financially, you know, we get $4 billion a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, about uh, the F-35, F-16, F-16, where are I going to, to get it from? I think Israel, uh, America has to hint to Israel very carefully that uh, they, they cannot longer go this way. They For their own interest, for the Israel's own interest, they have to to change their line. It's not easy, I agree. It's very easy, but I don't see any other opportunity. It's not going to come from the Israelis. Most of them are against or don't believe that we can achieve a Palestinian state. And most of, many of them believe that the Palestinians are terrorists and the uh, <laughs> traitors and whatever, including Israeli Arabs, are traitors. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's a non-win situation. Yeah. Um, again, you know, talking about, although we don't, we, and we can, the United States can go, cannot go as the government administration as far as Bernie Sanders suggested. Uh, but there's, on the other hand, there's hardly any pressure put on Israel in, in this regard. And since Israel, came to, as I said earlier, continued to use national security as a pretext, uh, and the United States is, is doing practically nothing. I mean, supporting it militarily. So in my view, and I'm, I think you will agree, that the United States, instead of putting a pressure and, and on Israel to change some direction, it's enabling Israel. It's enabling Israel to continue with its current policy by continuing to providing financial aid, by continuing to providing the military aid that's necessary. So in many ways, Israelis don't feel the pressure at all from the United States sure. because sure. Not, not, not a single time have they, except, you know, remember when Senior Bush held the loan guarantee going when Shamir was prime minister, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, the 10 billion. <laughs> that, was, that was the only time in my, in my memory the United States president, U.S. president, actually said, we will not give you a long guarantee unless you do A, B, C, and D. And then, even then, it did not work. So, so there's, there's two elements, obviously. The Jewish community here is not, and I agree with you, is not putting any pressure 
or not asking the, the administration to do something about it. And then, but you have the bigger, bigger issue, and that is the evangelicals. Both parties need them, and the evangelicals are blind when it comes to Israel. They support Israel come hell or high water. Yeah, but so, they but they support the right wing in Israel. They support building the, the third temple on the ruins of the mosques, which yeah. is which is terrible. It's terrible. It's suicidal, you know. Yeah, it's terrible. And there's the other element. Uh, uh, several Arab states normalized relation with Israel. When the Arab state introduced the Arab Peace Initiative, it was conditional. Establishing Palestinian state, and then all the Arab and the Muslim world will recognize Israel. Well, that did not happen. But now the Israelis find out, well, UAE recognized Israel, Bahrain did, and Morocco did, Sudan did, and probably there will be others. And there have been constant negotiation, constant communication going back maybe 10, 12 years between Israel and Saudi Arabia because they have a common strategic interest uh, in dealing with Iran. So as a prime minister, if I were prime minister of Israel, I'd say, I'm not getting pressure from the United States. The Arab state no longer couldn't care less about the Palestinians. Look, we're establishing normalized relations with so many countries. So what is going to change to change the dynamics of this? That's that's the problem. That's why I, get, I go back to the Confederation. You're, you're, make- you're right, but I would distinguish between the Arab governments and the Arab nations. They all this... Uh, Abraham agreements are with nations, uh, not with nations, with governments based on strategic consideration, on American pressure, on economic, but they don't uh, um, appeal to the majority of the population that have solidarity with the Palestinians. You can see it in May, last May, in other places, uh, how many demonstrations were in throughout the Arab and the Muslim world. Uh, when Aqsa was, was, was attacked, when the Palestinians were, were uh, attacked. So there is a very strong solidarity, and, and I don't know how long the governments can, can, can do it, can hold this. Yeah, but, but, as I said, the point is it's, it's called peace, but not reconciliation in Arab countries. It should be reconciliation, and the crux of it is the Palestinian issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, but remember this. I mean, and I, I and I agree in principle. But the 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 Arab state, the public, has been enraged because they they Israel touched a very extremely sensitive issue, and as far as Oscar Musk, when they actually uh, went there and did what they did. Um, on the other hand, also many of the all Arab states are, are not democratic. A government uh, hardly cares. Do they really care as much about the public opinion? There's a public opinion in the Arabs that they have not come on demonstrating until something happened with the Aska mask. Before that, there were no demonstrations. Um, the Arabs have been pretty much, they decided what, what they decided to do. The UAE is not concerned. Bahrain is not concerned. That's a tiny little country. So, so here you have, there's a shift. And this, this shift is that, in my view, should be putting some pressure on, on the Palestinians. That if they don't make a move, they don't actually do something, they are end up losing more and more Arab support. And what can is- they do alone? What can they do? Just commit suicide or convert to Judaism and learn Hebrew? What can they do? I mean, well, they, they ask for only 22% of Palestine. They are willing to have a, a demilitarized Palestine with a, a supervision. What else do you expect? The, the thing is, you know, you are right. You say, but you know, I also, I also know one thing. You know, public when they speak to uh, Western audience, they talk about two state. When they talk about in Arabic, sometimes they maneuver, they manipulate that. Uh, let me, let me just ask you. For example, uh, in order to to do something different. I don't know if Biden is preparing or is ready to receive Abbas uh, to come to the White House. And I think he should, no matter who is Abbas is, to demonstrate that he is, that, um, that he's serious about the two-state solution, so he's going to de- need to demonstrate, uh, invite Abbas. But suppose Abbas stands on the, you know, in the front lawn of the White House and says, look, to the whole world, 
we want peace. Uh, we are willing to make concessions in front of the President of the United States. Can that change anything? Yes, Lalon, I keep saying he's done it. I hear it. I, I talk to him personally. No, I'm not talking and, about that. No, no, no. There was a group there, and he of, appears on Israeli television and says it time and again. That yeah, it's but it's a kind of audience. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, he he's has to have this behind, if the president of the United States was sitting behind him, the next, I mean, standing next to him, and this guy is saying that in front of the whole world with the president of the United States standing right next to him. Don't you think this would have a different impact? I hope so. But as I said, he's done it, but Israelis refuse to listen. He's done it time and again, time and again. And I, I, I suppose, I, didn't, I don't remember, but maybe he's done it also on CNN, internationally, not only on uh, Israeli television. Yeah, but, but all of this media, I agree with you. The media, he said it this way and that way. But I'm just trying to think in terms of a format that is that demonstrate that the United States, Biden in this particular case, actually in front of the whole world, standing next to Abbas, I'm thinking in terms of possibilities. I'm just thinking, and I wanted to get you... A good good idea. If it helps, yes. Anything that can advance this issue, and this is a good idea. I think he will be invited to the White House, I expect, shortly. So this is again because Biden has an int- I mean a, a desire, an interest to to settle this issue. So so <laughs> you know the 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 whole thing comes down to 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 one thing based on your and, and I am not disagreeing with you at all that the the culprit here basically is the successive Israeli government, specifically in the last um, ten years, last twelve years, eleven years. Since yeah. Netanyahu came, became prime, prime minister, um, and any progress that was made before, when Olmert was a prime minister, specifically, um, basically that progress is wiped out now. There is no longer any significant discussion is going on between the two sides. Again, here, how do we change the dynamics? And uh, you mentioned you mentioned the United States, but suppose the United States. Biden doesn't do that doesn't go as far as we would like him to go. What happens then? Stalemate. It's and incidentally, Olmert has been was the only prime minister who suggested a very very uh, good uh, idea for the settlement. In two thousand eight, he spoke about a two state solution along the six or seven lines with the exchange of territories. Is Jerusalem as the capital of Palestine and the only places under international supervision? And Abbas uh, waited too long not, not to uh, agree to it, but the Israelis rejected it. He was ousted afterwards, not because of this, because of his corruption. So uh, he has, he has, there is a way here, but as I said again, uh, it, most Israeli Jews uh, would not accept it. Now, um, so let's say you know the status quo can be sustained for a while. What do you see any prospect or any possibility, not prospect, that uh, the Palestinians will get to a point that something happened and it will instigate major uprising of Palestinians, a violent one, even much more so than the, the two thousand uh, Intifada. Do you see such possibilities that is the Palestinians get to a point of desperation? Nothing is changing. The administration here is not doing much about it. The Israelis continue to solidify their position throughout the territories. And so the Palestinians becoming more and more hopeless, helpless and, and hopeless. And do you think uh, there can be a spark somewhere that is going to push? Uh, very, impo- very important point alone. Because uh, unfortunately, Israel <laughs> yielded after uh, uh, bloodshed. Uh, take Lebanon, take uh, Yom Kippur War, take the, uh, the, the uh, Aqsa Intifada, 
another another intifada can occur also, especially if Israel again attacks the Haram Sharif, the Temple Mount, Al Aqsa, and this this can lead to another intifada. Palestinians are frustrated, no doubt about it. The majority, and also many of them are poor. They have nothing to lose. So it can, it can happen, and this unfortunately may also um, may make a change in Israeli position if there is bloodshed. So many Israelis will say, "Oh, enough, enough!" Yeah, you know, it took Yom Kippur War to make peace with, with Egypt. Because I agree. I am. I mean, I'm a believer that when there's a significant breakdown in in a, in any kind of relationship. Uh, I put the prospect of a breakthrough could come to the fore. Uh, yeah. That is, if the Palestinians, in this case, they insist we are not going to go back to the status quo ante until, unless there is a permanent solution based on a two-state. I mean, that's, that's, but you see, do you agree that there is the possibility of an, an, an uprising uh, if, if things don't change in the next two, three, four, five years? Yeah. Do you see that as a possibility? Yes. As I say, especially when, if Israel again uh, attacks the uh, Aqsa Mosque um, around the Aqsa Mosque because this is uh, the the main issue that combines Palestinians, Arabs, and Muslims throughout the world, and they can do it. And and they, they, there was an up, almost an uprising, you know, in May. I was here, you know. Hamas launched missiles, rockets, <laughs> near my home, in Jerusalem and in yeah. Tel Aviv. You know, it, it stopped, but it can happen again. Only the, again and again and again alone, there is no military solution. We occupy Gaza, we can, but the price will be enormous. And then what are we going to do with 2 million Palestinians? Feed them, educate no, them. No, no military And, and Israelis, uh, Israeli government is not open to... To, to fresh ideas. Well, I mean, you know, as a matter of fact, the, the military solution has already taken place. I mean, Israel is in control. Be that in Gaza, is in control pretty much of Gaza, is in control of the West Bank. What military solution is left? The Palestinian oh, the conquest of Gaza. Yeah, yeah. Well, what to what end? Israel doesn't want to conquer Gaza. For what will be the purpose? They can go in. They can decapitate the, the leadership of Hamas. But sooner or later, are they going to provide health care and education and housing exactly. and roads to 2 million Palestinians? To what end? Exactly. Israel doesn't want to, that's why Sharon withdrew from Gaza to begin with. He didn't want to deal with 2 million Palestinians. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a given. So there's no military solution to Hamas other than, well, I think what you suggested, certainly Israel should be sitting with Hamas and talking. I mean, my understanding is Israel has been conducting back-channel diplomacy with Hamas. Uh, for example, the ceasefire, lots of ceasefire before that, allowing uh, um, Palestinian wor workers to come to Israel from, from Gaza, from yeah. Gaza, to yeah. work in Israel, thousands yeah. thousands of them, uh, providing them, of course, with electricity, providing them with, with um, allowing, allowing material to go in. So there is that kind of cooperation uh, under even the more worst, worst circumstances, which means if Israel is forced to provide, to allow this kind of material and, and, and uh, even providing job because they understand that without this, there will be an explosion. Going back to what we said, you said earlier, if, for example, Israel does something in the Temple Mount, in, in the Haram al-Sharif, that could instigate um, uh, an uprising. So the Israelis, obviously, they understand that. There are like red lines. And the red line is Haram al-Sharif, not to bother. They did make them, they made a mistake. They now understand the consequences. Uh, the, the red line is also with, uh, they can push Hamas up to a point before there's going to be another com conflagration. So they're gauging this and they continue to, quote unquote, manage the conflict. And then how far this can go? How much longer? Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm frustrated. I live here. I've, I've been born here. I fought four wars, and uh, I don't see any any uh, light in the end of the tunnel. 
for the first time, not in the, only in this area, but and we say that Jews are clever. No, maybe in the United States, not here. I mean, they, they are so so stupid, so short-sighted here. They don't see. I mean, and again and again and again, security, security, security. Yes, it is security concerned, but Israel is, as I said, strong enough to take security risk. Israel is the most powerful country in the region. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, they, they talk so much about the, the Iranian threat. For example, if there would be peace between Israel and the Palestinians, then actually they, they will they will um, uh, pull the rug from underneath the Iranians who has been supporting the Palestinians on the premise of Israel and occupying power. Whereas if there is peace, what, what the Iranian would have to say after that? Once there is peace between Israel and the Palestinians, the same thing you can disarm pretty much Hezbollah. Once there is peace between Israel and the Palestinians, and the Israelis don't seem to have any longer view that the peace between Israel and the Palestinians will open up so many different horizons for Israel future. And no they, doubt, no that, doubt. Even with Iran, I recall Ahmadinejad, the president, who was very, 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 very tough. Uh, president and, and and he said, if Israel and the Palestinians get into agreement, who are we to intervene? Exactly. Yes, and I think they are not going to be Israeli friends, neither Hezbollah, but this will mitigate their exactly. uh, their hatred. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, we 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 the, our problem, you and I, Moshe. You know what it is. No, we agree on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so next time you you invite some right wing Israeli, he will, will tell you, "Oh, the Arabs are traitors. We have to, you know, take take a colleague of mine, uh, Rafi Ben uh, Rafi Israeli, who wrote a book about the Palestinian, but in Israel, the Israeli Arabs, and and that they are traitors." They should be put under, uh, you know, behind bars. And this is a professor. Talk yeah. to him. Maybe he will convince you. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, thanks very much. Thank you, Moshe, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page. And stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.